0: Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And this is MZ Car Guys Podcast. You can reach us on all the social media at MZ Car Guys.
1: And you can drop us a line at MZ Car Guys at gmail.com. Um, I was trying to be a little French there. <laughs> you failed. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think last week kind of really proved that I cannot speak French. Or, or even you- imitate someone. So, on our continuation of doing podcasts uh, about different subjects and stuff like that leading up to Ford versus Ferrari, in which Matt and I will actually do a movie review. Um, That's the plan. Yep. Uh, please be nice to us with the movie review because... We're not movie people. <laughs>
0: it's it's, it's a first time. You should always be nice to someone on their first time.
1: Yes. Yes, you should. Anyways, so last week we talked about the 24-hour of Le Mans. Um, and this week we're going to talk about the two main powerhouses. We're going to talk about the Enzo of the Ferrari and the Henry... Of the Ford, uh, also known as Henry Ford II or Hank the Deuce, which I love that nickname. I never even, never even knew he had a nickname like that. But that is just that's that's such a badass name.
0: You would love that nickname. <laughs> it's so, so provincial.
1: It is. Anyways, so we kind of got into this. Matt, kind of bring us up on. Um, you know, just like a refresher on Henry Ford or non non um Enzo Ferrari.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we talked a lot about him during uh the Ferrari podcast, because duh. Um, but I was thinking about this today and thinking about well, how do you kind of sum up Enzo's business style, right? His managerial style. And basically what I realized was he ran his company the way he raced cars, which is yeah, winning comes first, nothing else matters, do whatever it takes. Doesn't matter who you have to roll over, who you have to injure, who, you know, doesn't matter. Just get there. And, you know, and as a result, he fired a whole lot of really good people because they, they counted him. They basically, you know, they went against him. They said, look, bring back this really smart guy, these engineers did, or we're going to leave the company. And Enzo said, bye bye. And, well, he had a 26 year old guy running his race team all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, and that was really kind of interesting. See, the one thing that, the the one thing that that and I I don't as as a as as a business owner, um, I kind of see it as well. That was a misstep. You know, he shouldn't have fired all those people and stuff like that. But understanding that Enzo Ferrari first and foremost is an Italian.
0: <laughs> Very.
1: And, 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 and as we kind of learned in, um, oddly enough, I think we really kind of hit on it in, uh, in Lamborghini. And that was Italians are all about passion. Um, and the, 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 the 10 or so guys getting fired on like the same day or quitting or whatever. It was all because, yeah, it was all because they basically kind of gave Enzo this, you know, thing of I either choose to listen to you or I choose to listen to my wife. I either choose loyalty to you or I choose loyalty to my wife. Kind of a thing. A little, little more complicated than that, but
0: it's not too different from how you run, say, you know, a mafia gang. You know, anything but blind loyalty is unacceptable. It's,
1: it's not mafia, Matt. You're friends with certain skills.
0: <laughs> what would? What was the? Um, I mean, because because ma- mafia translates as "help me," right? Because that's how they got their name, mafia, mafia. Um, yeah. But it was it was, um, I'll think of it later. Anyway, doesn't matter. Oh, the, yeah. that's right. No, the, they called it The Family. It was um, whatever terms translates The Family as. So the, the really important thing, and the thing that's really well known within the Car Geek community is that Enzo's nickname was The Commander. Il Comandatore. Yep. Which tells you pretty much everything you need to know about the guy. Yes. Yes. Um, I should pause for a second because I'm a little under the weather. Um, I'm currently drinking a mixture of hot water, lemon, honey, and whiskey. So if I start to fall off or start to say something really stupid, it's because I'm drunk.
1: Well, no, it's because you've gotten the, uh, yeah, it's because you've gotten the ratios of that a little bit off. As I usually <laughs> do. A little too much hot in the toddy.
0: <laughs> so, you know, it's just a little, just a little something to get me through the night. As John it, Lennon used either, to say.
1: Either, either that or this will be the best podcast you've ever had.
0: <laughs> well, we're about to find out. We'll know in the next 30 yep. to 60 minutes. Um, yes. So so basically, Enzo was an incredibly effective asshole. Um, For the which most him, part. Which, right. <laughs> yeah. which, which made him an interesting foil, especially as a guy who was focused on racing, to somebody like Henry Ford II, who wasn't terribly creative. He wasn't right in that sense. But as we talked about last week, he was really smart in that he knew how to find the people who could get the job done the best.
1: Yeah. So Henry Ford the second, and I and I think we and I was kind of doing the doing the research before the podcast on this. And and I think we really need to talk about um in in order to really truly discuss Henry Ford the second properly. I think we really need to talk about his dad, Edsel. Edsel Ford, um, he is truly the person that saved Ford from itself. So, Henry Ford, Henry Ford, the first, Henry Ford Sr., was a genius at. Putting together a company, he really put together a company. Um, the problem is, is that Henry Ford II was—he was so focused on creating a society through his company, and and he had these kind of grandiose ideas and so forth, uh, so much to the point of that he he almost he refused to modify or uh, or update or, or add anything to the Model T. Because to him, the Model T was the absolute perfect automobile. You don't need anything else. It's absolutely perfect. You don't need anything. Just, just continue on forward with it. And when he brought Edsel in... Um, he truly was the person that set Ford up to really launch itself and survive uh, the great die off. And uh, if you remember this, we, we talked about the fact that in 1920, there were like roughly 3,000 automobile manufacturers registered in the United States. And by 1939, there were less than 20. So during the Great Depression, there was a serious die-off. Yeah, even though we actually already talked about this, it's still kind of a wow. So Edsel Ford really focused on, uh, one, developing the Model A, which a lot of people... Some people may, you know, disagree with me and stuff like that. But I think the Model A is a much better vehicle, much better vehicle, much better uh, embodied uh, the idea of Ford and so forth, uh, you know, of, of innovation, of you know, moving forward and stuff um, than the Model T ever was.
0: So, the model was... quick, sorry. Quick point. So, we the Model T story has been told, and it does not need to be told again. But the one question I have is, the Model A came after the Model. Sorry, two questions. Model A came after the Model T, correct? It did.
1: So okay. there's technically two Model As.
0: Um. Right. One was but... like a development vehicle that went nowhere.
1: Well, sort of. So the so the the Model A. Was original Model A um, was kind of back in I think the Henry Ford comp- the Henry Ford Motor Company that later became Cadillac. Um, okay. So, but this was um, Edsel wanted this to be like the relaunch of the company because right. it was because they were starting to lose sales to oddly enough
0: the Dodge brothers and starting to lose sales to the
1: Chevrolet
0: oh that's so funny um, and then the next question is do you happen to know and it's kind of esoteric but do you happen to know if the model a had conventional pedal placement uh I
1: model, think so okay I think that, that, so
0: that would be huge yeah okay so anyway, um, I got you completely off track, but we were, but it's, know, it's fine. but you know, the, but the Model A is, yeah, it's kind of the relaunch of the company. And you said that was when Edsel came in and said, Hey, this, this is our best bet going forward.
1: Yeah. Well, to, to give you an idea um, how, how, um, how really truly uh, desirable the Model A was, because starting in, I think it was 1908, it was 1906 or 1908, was the Model T. Um, so so it, yeah, and so this is now 1927, is when they introduced the, the Model A. By 1929, by, sorry, by February 4th of 1929, one million Model A's had been sold. Wow. Oh, hold on. Here's the wow. By July 24th of that year, two million had been sold.
0: I'd say they got the hit on your hands.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and they had different versions of it. They had like a town car, they had a dual cowl, Um, you know, they had, you know, just a bunch of different body styles and stuff like that. You know, so yeah, it, it was a huge hit. Um, Much to the chagrin of Henry Ford, the senior, because Henry Ford senior, he hated the idea of anything other than, um, other than the model T. He he right. just didn't see it necessary, but uh, Henry Ford, uh, but it was it was quite remarkable because remember, this is nineteen twenty nine.
0: What happened in August of nineteen twenty nine? I believe that's when uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated. No, no, I'm sorry, that's World War One. I. I apologize so much. That was yeah, um, I, oh, I, sorry. I, when in when in the nineteenth?
1: Uh, I think it was August of 1929, isn't that when the stock market crashed?
0: Uh either August or October, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So really I'm a little uh, yeah. a little lifted.
1: Yeah. So but you know, so the stock market crashed, but if you've already sold 2 million plus cars on top of the fact they were still selling Model Ts. Um so that kind of helped propel the company through to wartime production. So, and that was all on the backs of Edsel Ford.
0: And let's not forget about the iconic 32 Ford, the first hot rod, which that, later became the first hot rod.
1: That was, that was through Edsel Ford.
0: Right. You it know, was, and it was, if, uh, if, if you, it was if, you but yeah, a lot of people can't, like, don't necessarily know what we're talking about. But if you Google image search a 32 Ford or just something like that, you'd be like, oh, that, right? Because you've seen a yeah. million of them. And was it... Yeah, if, you, if you've driven war, by... I'm sorry? Wasn't the guys coming back from the war uh, after World War II, they were the ones who started hot riding those?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That anyway. and some yeah. other, yeah, well, sure. stuff like that. So... Anyways, um, so the unfortunate part is, and I'm kind of speeding through this a little, more, little bit more, and um, and and I think it should be should be noted. So Edsel Ford was he was truly a manager. He knew how to manage and run a company. He was phenomenal at it. He could get people you know to to do what what he needed to do he could um you know he he hired some really good designers he hired some good marketing guys and so forth and really kind of get him in there um and really kind of took over the reins uh from ford um and you know so so he was well let me try to get this right um Yeah, so he was president of Ford Motor Company from 1919 uh, all the way up until 1943. Oh, wow. In 1943, um, he developed um, stomach cancer. And basically he he died very quickly.
0: Well, yeah, that was Um, a death sentence back then.
1: Well, it, it wasn't only that. It was, I mean, he probably had it for a very long time and didn't even realize it. But by the time it was diagnosed, I mean, it was, it was super quick. Like, like it was, it was so quick that Henry Ford II, who we'll talk about in just a second, um, he was, he was supposed to take over the company, but Edsel was supposed to be in charge for decades more he was supposed to be in charge and, and and run the company for decades more so when he passed away very very suddenly Henry Ford II this is right in the middle of World War II this is 1943 Henry Ford II he's he's in the Navy <laughs> he's He's in the middle of, I believe he was in the Pacific theater. Um, you know, I mean, you know, he, uh, quite know, so yeah, well, you know, so in 1940, well, so, so for two years, Henry Ford, the senior had to come out of retirement. Um, but he was a little bit out of it. He was, you know, he, he, he was old and senile and you know, he was more, more, uh, what's the world, uh, suspicious. Oh, okay. well, no, he was more suspicious and, you know, and, and, and just really, really wasn't fit for the job. And so the board of directors tried to isolate him as much as possible from, you know, making any really big <laughs> decisions or anything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, 1945, late in 1945.
0: Right, after uh, Japanese that,
1: surrender. Yep, that um, Henry Ford II was able to jump back in and take up the reins. Um, but he hadn't had really much of any training as far as how to run this huge company. Because... Ford had, during the 1930s, had invested a lot of time in building up their presence over in Europe, much more so than um, Dodge, Chrysler, or General Motors at all, really. Um, So, you know, they're trying to build it up over there. Well, during World War II, a lot of that was bombed. So all this investment, boom, out the window. Um, yeah, they had a lot of uh, a lot of their mechanical infrastructure was built up um, in their factories and stuff because of you know gearing up for World War, World War II. <clears throat> but you know sales had slumped, um, you know, and so a lot of different things. So, in 1945, here comes Henry IV the Second, and now he's got to basically re-jumpstart the company after two years of his, you know, under the king's of you know the under the the control of, you know, the Mad King Henry the First. Um, but uh, the one thing that he understood and i think he really got this from his father and that was surrounding yourself with the right people right
0: matt oh yeah absolutely you still you still with me still with you it's, you know you're just you're you're doing fine i was just going to say <laughs> that it, it's 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 it seems cavalier to ignore the fact that this is a man who went through significant military training. He saw hierarchies. He saw leadership structures. He saw them collapse as the men around him died. He saw what happens when the next guy in line steps up and takes over that role. And mm-hmm. if they know the role, how they can step into it, what an effective leader is, what an ineffective leader is. And those kind of things stick with you, especially when you have bullets flying all around you. Those are, those are important lessons. So, you know, there's, you can't discount his military experience either. And then the last thing is, part of this transition, as we alluded to last time, was taking Ford from building jets and cheaps, basically, maybe if you tanked them, I'm not sure, and switching back to cars. Because they had the tooling for it, but they'd be making the same car they were making in 1940 and early 1941. Um, so that, that takes time and that takes you know some real savvy to make that happen and to make it and to do it well. I mean, yes, they were flush with cash from all the military contracts, but you still have to actually do the work.
1: Yeah. Well, he was able to, yeah, well, he, he was able to, um, I, I, one of the first things that he did, um, is he, he hired Ernest Breach. Now, Ernest Breach was, really one of the guys that simply he taught henry ford how to run a company that size how to truly because he used to be he used to be a general motors executive and he was at uh he was he was at the bendix corporation which makes a lot of any stuff for car parts and everything um and so Breach is really the one who kind of helped him understand um, what what it took and everything. Um, he also helped him uh, put together uh, a group of upcoming, uh, you know, uh, up and coming guys in the uh, in the automotive world, known as the Whiz Kids. Um, you know, uh, Robert McNamara, that's a familiar, familiar name with it. Um, who else? Sorry, I'm looking on.
0: Uh, I i don't remember the names either, but basically a bunch of guys who yeah. are probably old and most of them are probably dead by now. But, um, but yeah, but basically he, so he got a he got a group of really smart guys who were willing to work with him in the automotive industry to turn this company around and send it forward. And, for the most part, they did a pretty good job.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, so he was able to get them together. Um, once again, they were uh, they were former, you know, they they were, you know, basically former military. So they also understood all of this. Um. And one thing that happened that probably oh, I can't remember. When Henry Ford passed away, when did Henry Ford pass away? Hold on, I gotta find this out.
0: Not soon enough.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, 1947, he passed away. So, one thing that Henry Ford did so in 1940, sorry, 1956, Ford became a publicly traded company. And that would have absolutely Made his grandfather roll over his in his own grave, <laughs> um, but it was the absolute best thing to do. Um, and and so he he got together, and he was able to, you know, really truly build the company he was able to build an infrastructure build a management structure management hierarchy there was no management hierarchy um realistically under his grandfather henry ford never really created that and he, the company was small enough and he was able to somehow manage everything um and for the somewhat you know his his father edsel kind of managed things to a point but it was truly henry ford the second who put together the structure that really built Ford to be what it is today. So in reality, yes, Henry Ford was important, but I'd almost have to say that Henry Ford II was the most important. He he is truly who took this this little spark and created you know what ford is today you know so take that as it is
0: so how long okay so so um henry Ford the second is he's he's got full control of the company by 1945 he goes public in '56. You said, yep. Okay, so Ford does its Ford thing. They start building more and more advanced pickup trucks. They do they, be, they do the very, very Ford thing, and then yep. some point in the early '60s, um, he starts looking around and sees that uh, some of these companies like Ferrari are a little strapped for cash.
1: Yeah, well, he really truly wanted to, and if you guys really want to get a good sense of this, um, like Matt and I talked about last week, um, the there's a there's a uh, a uh, a documentary called uh, "The Twenty Four Hour War" It's about this, uh, about you know Ford versus Ferrari, this whole thing, um, and
0: it's on Amazon Prime.
1: It's really good. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic.
0: Some, some, some unknown guy named Adam Croll helped produce it. Never heard of
1: yeah. Him. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it'll become something. Who knows?
0: Mm. Um I heard once.
1: Yeah. Yeah, not very good though. Um, <laughs> like Adam Croll's never gonna hear this. Uh, he anyways. Got to, he has uh,
0: invented modern podcasting for all worth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, he knows a thing or two about podcasting. Anyways, but, um, but one of the things that it really talks about, and, uh, and I kind of you know got me looking into it and stuff like that, is that Ford never really got into much racing for the most, for the most part. I mean, they did do a little bit here and there, um, but never like a full court press you know, factory-backed racing team like Alfa Romeo used to do, like Ferrari was doing maserati for many many years porsche um so because you know they wanted to get into a lot of racing you know at the time there truly was nothing bigger than the 24-hour Le Mans. um i know a lot of my southern you know brother and sisters are going to cry well what about the daytona 500 take what you understand as a daytona 500 which is a very very big race and like multiply it by like five and that's the 24 hour Le Mans. that's how in you know just how many people watch it every single year how many people embrace it how many people go to the track i mean it's it's a huge 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 thing um And so Henry Ford saw, Henry Ford II saw this um, saw this opportunity, you know, because Enzo hated the idea of, of, of selling road cars. Hated it. He did not want to be part of a road car company. He wanted to race. And he only sold cars, road cars, to pay for racing. That was it. So Henry Ford II talking to him about hey, we want to buy the rights, you know, basically buy Ferrari. And then you know, and and, and, and you can continue racing. We just want to buy Ferrari and you know and build a whole dealership network and stuff like that, and then also get into racing with Ferrari and stuff like that. Um, the one misstep I think and this goes back to the fact that Enzo is a is is Italian and the Italians are very passionate and um, Henry Ford II was very much you know okay so I want to race in these races I don't want to race in these races and he started giving you know kind of ultimatums to Enzo of you know of how you're going to race And once again, Enzo just completely just backed out. Um, And the way that he did it was just kind of very Enzo Ferrari. And that is, you know what, just go with your passion and whatever happens, happens. And he basically just backed out all of a sudden, just no response, just nope, we're not going to do this anymore and then just completely just shut off everything and it it was very abrupt to someone who you know was running a company this isn't how you do things this isn't how you negotiate this isn't how you deal with people on a professional basis and it pissed Henry Ford the 2nd off you know
0: you know and this then, <laughs> and then for our use of the negotiations with with Ford as leverage to get Fiat to pay more for the company when they bought a controlling interest in, in Ferrari.
1: Yep, because if it isn't you, we've got Ford over here wanting to. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: And Fiat said, "Okay."
1: Yeah. Well, because the interesting thing is, is that as as hard headed as as hard headed and and as um you know kind of off the cuff as Enzo is. I think it you would be very um, you'd be very remiss to discount Henry Ford II because this is a military man. He's been to war. He's been in the middle of war. He's commanded ships. His his grandfather was arguably one of the probably more of a hard head than Enzo Ferrari was. So, you know, and, and and what he was able to put together, you know, it, you know, you don't just dismiss, you know, Henry for the second and it set him off and he said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put a racing team together. We're going to build a car we're going to go to Le Mans and we're going to beat the living daylights out of Ferrari.
0: It's um, a bit ambitious.
1: Slightly. Because remember what I just said, they didn't have any race, they didn't have any factory racing experience. They had none.
0: It's pretty amazing. They weren't even in NASCAR.
1: No, not at the time. They hadn't got into NASCAR yet.
0: That's pretty so incredible.
1: you know, I mean, for them to jump into this and kind of be like, hey, let's start a racing team and oh yeah, by the way, we're going to go for you know, we're gonna go for the biggest race in the world and try to win it against arguably one of, if not the best racing team at the time.
0: Well, right. Which if you're going to go in, you got to go, got to go all the way in. Right, You got to go in to beat the best.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so Henry Ford Second did what Henry Ford II did well. And that is he just created this team around him of guys, um, to go and do it. And of course, at this time they were having huge success. And, and so he basically was
0: like success commercially, or do you mean, I mean, Oh, no,
1: no, no. Success commercially. They killed, so they had, they had deep, 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 deep pockets. And they, you know, you know, I mean for for him to go up to, you know, uh you know, to, to, to go up to Carol Shelby and just be like, hey, here's a blank check. Go. And you know was, Yeah. You know, just kind of build a race car. Um Now, kind of moving beyond that, kind of getting a little bit, you know, further on into it, um, you know, Ford was able to, um, you know, he was also the one who hired Lee Iacocca. He saw how good he was. We've already had it, you know, we did a whole thing on him, um, you know, which developed the Ford Mustang. In 1964, uh, which again also helped, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, helped put money into the uh, the ability to go racing and stuff. Helped develop, you know, the the uh, the, the, the 427 Cobra Jet uh, that they used to race with.
0: Right, the the and seven so- the, the seven liter that uh, that raced at Le Mans actually.
1: Yep. And, um, you know, and, and so just kind of was able to, you know, you know, beat other companies at their own game. Um, they, he was able to move into, uh, he was able to move into the small car market uh, faster than General Motors did. Um, so he was able to, you know, develop the, uh, the, the, uh, the Escort, uh, which was based on, you know, the Ford Fiesta. So he was able to kind of jump into that. He, through Henry Ford II, how he was able to kind of, uh put things together and stuff, Ford was able to pivot, you know, with the, uh, with the market much easier than General Motors. Uh, And they've always been that way. Uh, 2008 is a perfect example. Cause when General Motors, um, you know, during the recession, when General Motors had to come up and go, hey, we're about to declare bankruptcy you know, we need some help. And the, you know, the federal government of course showed up with our money and said, not a problem. You know, we'll help you out. And, and they looked at Ford and said, do you need any help? And Ford went, "Mm, no, we got it. And that attitude, that flexibility to be able to pivot that goes right back to Henry Ford, the second to be able to, you know, to, to, to latch on to things. I mean, because understand 1964 is when they introduced the Mustang. 1968, four years later, General Motors introduced the Camaro.
0: 67.
1: Well, sorry, 67. <laughs> so. So, but, but, but realistically,
0: 1968. Um, so it's so speaking of cars, I think it's, we are overdue to talk about the fun part, right? Of the whole Oop, Ford portion, oh. which is the cars themselves.
1: Wait, wait, wait. We're going to talk about cars.
0: I know it's a stretch. So what, what, what did you want to talk about? Well, okay, so we, should, we need well, we need to talk about the car that beat Ferrari. It's kind of iconic. Oh, the, GT. the, G, well, oh, the actual GT40 itself? Well, I thought it, we were going to do a whole thing on that. Well, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. We Okay, you're right. We will gloss over the GT40. So
1: Yeah, well, that's why I was leaving that for – because the GT40 in itself, the development of that car.
0: That's true. The, it deserves a lot more time.
1: Yeah, now we may not be able to do like a full hour podcast on it, but I think we can do a pretty good, pretty good deal on that. I, you know, I, I, I think we've got at least 20 minutes well, on I mean, itself. self. Yeah, well, GT40 of...
0: versus P3 and P4 is a, is a, um, it's a good conversation too. I think that's, I think you got those the names three. Right? Yeah. Cause I think yeah, the P3 and the... the displacement, I think. Yeah. So, um, but but just but just really briefly, if you haven't yet, you know, over to yourselves. Anybody who might be listening, thank you for sticking with us. Um, but just look up the Ford GT40. Easily to this day, one of the most beautiful cars ever made. Oh my gosh! Yeah, does not get the love that it needs. But just incredible. There's no part of the, there's no inch on this car that looks wrong, that looks off, that look like it could be better the whole thing is just amazing and it was called the 40 because it was only because the roof was 40 inches off the ground which was incredibly low it was low then it's low now it's porsche low it's 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 a slippery little car really close to the ground yeah. but, um
1: well i i saw i i've never seen a gt40 in person that's definitely on my bucket uh, list but i have seen a ford gt in person. Oh, which one? Uh first gen. Okay. Not 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 second gen. So I saw a Ford G T in person, the the first gen. And that's supposed to have the same basic profile and shape, mm-hmm. just larger. I, I and think I'm it does. looking at and at five foot six I'm able to look straight down on top of the roof of a Ford G T which is larger than a GT4D. <laughs> oh,
0: you mean like I do in every sports car.
1: Yes, 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 monkey boy.
0: <laughs> Anyways. The double bubble so. roof on the Super is very nice. I look at it all the time. Um, <laughs> but um, but no you're 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 very right. So when the whole the whole thing was what just just to sum up and and this it's worth revisiting just for a second is what Henry Henry Ford II did boils down as far as I can tell to two really brilliant things one was bringing in the best people he could possibly find to to work on this car I mean Carol Shelby was Carol Shelby was doing nothing he was working out of a podunk little garage I think somewhere near Burbank if I'm not mistaken you know he taking, was a washed
1: up he was a washed up race car driver with a heart problem
0: yeah who In was Texas. who was who was putting ford 289 engines into the oh shoot um who was what's the british company who was making the car who was making the cobra um it wasn't leyland oh,
1: oh my god no it wasn't leyland wasn't it wasn't, wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, it was something uh, like that oh my god all right keep, keep going
0: little car coming right making making these cute little roadsters that had no power and he said hey you know send me a let's work together i really like the look of your car right but it needs some real power so i'll put a ford engine in it and everything will be great and so he took and first put the 289 which is roughly five liters a touch under um into into the cars with a four speed manual and they were great and then he started doing really nuts And later put the 427, the seven liter into it, and it was a bit much. Um, Also, (laughs) also had, I believe they were drum brakes all the way around, which certainly didn't help. Um, Yeah, and had a steering wheel the size of Texas. Um, You know, the thing was like both in your lap, and amazingly, like in your eye level at the same time. Um, But ace, ace, ace was. (laughs) The, the British company Ace made the Cobra. And you can just. this successful then because it came right off of uh, Zach's tongue without any thinking about it. Ace car. I know, company, I looked it up. You know, make, maker of those great cars we drive today called the. Oh, never mind. Um, so, you know, but, but then Carol Shelby came, basically came out of nowhere, essentially, you know, with enough money in yeah. his pocket. And did these and did this amazing work on this on this GT40, you know. And they were yeah. constantly developing. I want to say the Mark Four was the version that finally won in 1966.
1: But well, the Mark three, just... I think the Mark III won. Was the Mark No the Mark three or the Mark II? Well, I think the Mark
0: II. Mark II definitely. No, it win.
1: was the, it was it was the Mark IV. It was the Mark IV that 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 started winning all the races and stuff.
0: Yeah, that is with the with, with the seven liter. Um, yeah,
1: but we'll get you know. I, but but I think Carol yeah. Shelby's. I think he's definitely another podcast.
0: Carol was an amazing guy. Yeah, he was. Um, you know, and and the way he sort of seamlessly transitioned. I mean, people, people, Jay Leno's age, for lack of a better term for it don't even think of him as being Texan so much. They think of him more like as being like this LA guy who happened to have a weird hat obsession. you know it was like
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's true.
0: you know he was just he was just that iconic you know LA hot rider, drag strip, you know race what race would you brought whatever guy you know and he just did a little bit of everything um and everybody loved him as far as I can tell. Yeah. And he had this great, you know, tight little crew. They just did everything together. Um it's 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 one of those it's it's gotta be too good to be true. You know, there's gotta be some some a bit of a dark underbelly to it, you know, but the but the results speak for themselves. I mean at the risk of spoiler alert when after Ford won Lamont, Ferrari never won again. You know, and that's, yeah, that's staggering for Ferrari to essentially throw in the towel after this series, of Ford wins is that's, that's really saying something.
1: Well, and I, and I think, and I, and I, and I think we can end on this. The, the true legacy of, um, of, of Henry Ford, the second I believe you'd have to say Edsel Ford II and Henry Ford III, um, who uh, Henry Ford III is his grandson. Um, but Henry Ford or Edsel Ford II, who's can't I'm trying to figure out. Um, yeah, he's hold on. I think he's I think he is the I think he's still in charge essentially
0: well um, you know I mean like figurehead in charge I mean they've got a CEO and a board of directors but
1: yeah but he's basically the he he, he, oh, he, he, he is the owner Right. of Ford. It's right. still he's, family he's,
0: owned. He's the guy.
1: Yeah. You know, so, you know, and, and and following in his father's footsteps, I think he's done quite well. Um, and I think Henry Ford III um, I, I think he'll do a good job after Edsel dies.
0: You know, it seems to be um, when, you, when you've got a proven record of, you know, this is sort of the blueprint for how you keep things going and how you keep improving and, and stay relevant in the, in, the, in the business, you know, it doesn't hurt that you have the best-selling pickup truck in the world for the last 75 years running.
1: Well, That's I wouldn't... It's, it's not the best-selling f- truck in the world. It's the best-selling thing on four wheels in the world. I mean, yeah. that should blow your mind. The yeah. the, the of things that drive on four wheels, it is the number one seller And it's been that way for, I think, at least 30 years.
0: That's incredible. <laughs> you know, I mean, the best-selling car in world history is the Corolla, but the fact that the Ford F-Series pickup truck is the best-selling four-wheeled vehicle in the world yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. Well, well anyway. I think Zach, yeah. exactly, I think that's a podcast. Matt, you made it. I did. You my, my, my cup it. is not quite empty. Oh. There we go. Now it is. There we go.
1: <laughs> all right. Well ladies and gentlemen, I think that is I think that is all for us. Uh, let's uh, let's release Matt so that he can lay down and get better. Um, I'm going to go ahead and sign off too. I think we've done a really good job with this, and uh, I think next week, um, I think next week we can jump into uh, the the actual GT40 itself. What do you think?
0: Hot damn, I'm ready for it. Let's do it now. All right,
1: awesome. I'll see you next week. All right. Yeah.